Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports independent tech news directly. If you're not already, become a DTNS member right now. Do it right now. Patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, November 29th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Oakland, California, I'm Justin Robert Young in a hoodie. And uh, from a soggy greater LA area, I'm uh, Roger Shane, the show's producer. (laughs) Uh, Today, today it is a little soggy in Los Angeles, which is unusual for us. So we're all fascinated with the water falling from the sky. Uh, However, we've got some Amazon news to talk about. They're the next in line. Apple, Google, Facebook, they've all come under the gun. Amazon is going to be next. But let's start. With some tech news you should know. Google Assistant on speakers and smart displays now includes a pretty please feature for families. It teaches kids to be polite. It was first announced back at I.O. earlier this year. Notes and List will soon support a few third-party apps, Google Keep, AnyDo, Bring, and Todoist, and Broadcast Replies, which allows two-way communication between a smart display and a speaker, and phone and home devices comes out next week. Plex now offers access to Tidal's high-quality music streaming service. The $10 a month service is only $9 if you are a a Plex Pass subscriber. (laughs) Or if you can say it. Yeah. Which which I am, although I'm not a Tidal subscriber. Well, you could be. You know those scams that cause a fake antivirus pop-up to appear in Windows, and then it's followed by a phone call from some nice person that asks you for money to fix that fake infection? Mm -hmm. Well, Microsoft and authorities in Delhi have tracked down and arrested 36 people at 16 locations where those people were running exactly these types of scams. I think a lot of people thought that you'd never be able to catch these folks. That's crazy. Oil companies and trading firms can start finalizing crude oil deals on a London-based blockchain platform called VACT, V-A-K-T, created by a consortium of oil companies, energy trading firms, and banks. Uh, Geneva-based ComGo is going to provide financing to the VACT deals integrated right into the blockchain. The system will replace significant amounts of paperwork previously required and lower the costs of trading as a result. So who knows? I mean, I'm being pretty optimistic here, but... could lower the price at the pump, maybe someday. Nice. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about a bad headphone vulnerability. Oh, yeah. Listen up, folks. 
<laughs> Germany's Sokorvo Security Consulting disclosed a vulnerability in Sennheiser's head setup software. Sennheiser was installing a self-signed root certificate with an encrypted private key into the trusted root CA certificate store. The problem was the key can be extracted using a man-in-the-middle attack on all otherwise secure websites the user visits. The passphrase Sennheiser CC was stored in plain text in a configuration file and was the same for all installations. The encryption key was found by reverse engineering the software binary. Users are urged to update the software and make sure the original certificate has been removed or blocked. Yeah, uh, it, you know, you should go check out something like Hack Five or Security Now if you really want to get deep into understanding all of this. But the short version is, uh, the root certificate was not properly secured in such a way that once you were able to extract that key, you could then spoof any website for any computer that had this software from Sennheiser installed. And it was software that that allowed you to to work directly with the browser with the headphones in, in a little better way. Uh, you could have all kinds of complaints about why can't we just have analog headphones, you know, but but uh, this this was supposed to provide better audio for you. And if you're buying Sennheiser, you're concerned with better audio. Yeah, yeah, you were trying to spend on a premium product. Yeah, You're concerned with better audio, but a lot of folks who would have um, the headphones in question and had had used the software in order to you know pair them with computers aren't necessarily even going to see this story. So that's where I think it's you know it's it's sort yeah. of the most troubling, right? I mean, we've explained it. I don't know how this. I I understand how it works. I'm not the kind of person who would ever be you know in these root areas to 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 figure this out myself, but. But but then how do you explain it to you know somebody who got a cool Sennheiser headset you know for Christmas last year that they need to make sure that their certificates are updated? I, I would normally say just keep your software updated, but there's some confusion on whether the Sennheiser update actually removes the bad certificate or not. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Well, well, let's talk about let's Korea. move on now to South Korea. South Korea indicted the CEO and eight other employees of a company called Top Tech Co. on suspicion of leaking. Samsung's flexible display technology secrets to a Chinese company. TopTech makes automated equipment for display panel production, but the company denies the claims of wrongdoing. The nine people are accused of creating a separate shell company that received information from Samsung Display and then sold it for 15.5 million won, which is about 13.85 million US dollars. So yeah, it's kind of hard to, to, to figure out here if you're confused out there, but TopTech is saying we didn't do anything wrong. Our employees who created a separate shell company did something wrong. Uh, yeah. So even if, even though it includes the CEO of TopTech, TopTech itself as a, as a company may not be held uh, responsible for this, but it, it's a huge bust. Well, and and obviously it's corporate espionage. Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder whether or not this is something that puts any kind of damper in in Samsung's plans, considering the fact that they have always been, uh, in addition to creating top of the line phones, they like all uh, uh, manufacturers for the stuff that they're in are playing in an increasingly commoditized game. And if the word's already out on the the stuff that they're doing, then that kind of shortens some of that runway. Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, if we start seeing a, a bunch of, of companies coming out with flexible displays that are very similar to Samsung, uh, I suppose Samsung could try to pursue a remedy in court about that anyway. Uh, I'm sure they have patents filed on all of this stuff. On the other hand, uh, uh, it may be that knowing how the display is made 
is not the same as being able to make it, right? Like it, it takes some expertise and capacity to be able to make these displays in the first place, which Samsung does. Uh, so it may not be as easy to imitate as the folks who paid for this information. Well, it, but it also depends on where they were getting it manufactured. If they were getting it manufactured in China, and now it is Chinese companies that well, are Well, Samsung making- Display makes it. That's the key. Okay, okay. So they, they make it. Yeah. Well, yeah. but even then, look, once it gets to China, man, it is the wild west out there. Mm-hmm. Well, and how sucky to be the CEO if you truly didn't know that this was happening with eight employees that work directly for you oh, no, or no. under you anyway? <laughs> the CEO definitely knew this was happening. I don't think there's much Exactly, question. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Cancel uh, the Christmas party. The BBC reports that innovators in Togo, uh, Togo is a West African nation right between Ghana and Benin, are taking some of the 500,000 metric tons of e-waste the country imports each year and turning it into robots. One example is a spider-like robot made from a discarded 3D printer. Wisia Foley Bibi, who made that, also made a 3D printer from other discarded parts. He takes the robots to schools to try to foster student interest in science. He was inspired by Gnuku Afate, who made the first 3D printer in Togo and took first place at the Barcelona Fabrication Technology Conference in 2015. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not to minimize the problem with e-waste that Togo is facing. Uh, The BBC article does go into the fact that a lot of times they have to turn waste around and send it back to be properly recycled uh, if they want to do that to Europe because they don't have the proper facilities for that. But I like the idea that at least a few folks are trying to figure out how to reuse and, and turn this 500,000 metric tons of electronics into something useful that, that potentially could help students, et cetera. I'm, I'm very curious to see what the, the, uh, you know, where, where the trajectory of the e-waste problem goes, because I, I, you know, even colloquially, and I'm sure everybody listening to this has had that, that problem where all of a sudden you go into a bag or a closet where you've kept stuff that, the last time you went in there was all very, very, very useful. And now you look at it and you're like, none of these plugs work. Not, none of these cords make any sense anymore. Everything has been totally different. Uh, uh, you know, things move so fast. And yet uh, uh, the, the e-waste is uh, the, the shadow it leaves behind. Yeah, there's so many problems with e-waste from not properly disposing of it, right? Because uh, you have to do something extra. If you want to properly dispose of it, you can't just put it in your bin uh, like you normally would Two, even when it's properly disposed of, you know, the companies that are collecting all this stuff in the U.S. and Europe generally do export it somewhere. Uh, and then what happens to it when it gets there? So, I again, I'm not trying to to be someone who says, see, it's not a problem. You just have all the people in Togo turn it into robots and it'll be fine. Uh, but hey, isn't it better that some of that happen and, and experimentation happen and maybe oh. starts to spur an industry there. Uh, if we're going to have this problem before we finally get around to figuring out how to solve it for real. I mean, look, all, all us dilettantes in the Western world are all going to be, uh, you know, living our comfy lives when the, 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 the Togo gigantic robot spider starts dominating the globe. I think these guys got it going on. Yeah. Uh, more power to you down there in uh, Togo, Mr. Fully BB. Keep your robots going. And maybe inspires the, you know, the, the next big startup uh, mogul uh, to come, come from West Africa because he took this robot to a class and got somebody thinking. I mean, some of the great art installations of the world made from trash. This is, mm-hmm. this is one step further and cooler. Yeah. 
Nintendo saying that it has been humbled by its fans' loyalty, end quote, has issued new guidelines on sharing gameplay video and YouTube that lift most of the previous restrictions and no longer require people to register for a revenue-sharing scheme. The only requirement now is that you add your own creative input or commentary. The exception to that rule is if you are sharing short screen captures using the Switch's built-in tools. Video makers who follow these rules will be allowed to monetize videos without sharing any of that sweet green with Nintendo. I love the idea of an apology turning into, we're humbled by how loyal you are to us. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, even though we treated you so poorly on, as far as YouTube videos go for years, you've stayed Hashtag loyal to Hashtag humbled. Us. Thank you. Blessed. <laughs> Blessed. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, Nintendo really misjudged this. Uh, this was a dumb plan from the from from the jump. If you're unfamiliar with it, they had a system in which uh, uh, now the way that video games are discussed and shared throughout the internet is through live gameplays on Twitch, through recorded <laughs> gameplays on YouTube, and obviously shared throughout social media. They decided that they were going to play middleman on that because the sweet, sweet money <laughs> was going to be too much for them to bear going into other people's pockets. Uh, uh, when in reality, hey, look, if some kid's going to get paid to advertise your, your your games like Super Smash Brothers, which is why they want to you know, repeal this now because they have a massive game uh, that is coming out that is going to be very popular on these platforms, then uh, I think they realize... Let, let's not screw around with something that's already working for every other video game creator. I, this, you can use this uh, this this decision uh, in a, as a weapon in your rhetorical argument about copyright either way. You can say, see, we don't need to change laws because eventually companies will realize the right way to do things on their own, even if they aren't forced to. Or you can say, man, if the rules were that Nintendo had to do this from the beginning, we wouldn't have had to wait years for them to finally get around to figuring out this is in their best interests. Yeah. I, I mean, look, uh, if, 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 if Ninten Nintendo got to the right position, it, it's just a shame that they uh, had to be so Nintendo uh, uh, about the way they got there. It's a him, a Mario. <laughs> it's a me, the middleman. <laughs> Throughout.com executive editor Brad, Brad Sams has a new book out called Beneath the Surface that describes, among other things, Microsoft's potential Surface roadmap in the book's final chapter. You might say, well, this is all speculative, right? But Sams has an excellent track record with his sources, and he writes a few interesting things. Perhaps a Surface Pro tablet with USB-C could be coming in Q4 of 2019, about a year from now. A Surface laptop running on an AMD processor might arrive toward the end of next year. Next spring, Microsoft might show off an ambient computing device that responds to your presence. Low-cost Xbox One S models could potentially be offered without a drive. And maybe also a reimagined Surface Studio desktop with a modular design, and last but not least, a foldable device, often called Andromeda, might arrive next year, but be more like a PC than a phone. Yeah, that Andromeda, it's it's like uh, it's like the 
I don't want to say it's a white whale. That's the wrong metaphor, but it's it's sort of a it's a unicorn, right? Everyone, yeah. uh, everyone thinks they've they've seen it, and then it never appears. And for a long time, it's been presumed that this would either be a tablet or a phone because of the foldable uh, nature of the of the leaks around it. Um, but Sam's is saying it might just be, I guess, more like a tablet, but on the PC end of of tablets, uh, like a hybrid. Uh, I mean, geez, I, although. I don't want to. I don't want to take a dig at Microsoft because they have been good at uh, their hardware over the last five years. They've they've created really good yeah. products. It's fourteen percent of their revenue now, and they are you know in a running race to be the most valuable company with uh, right alongside Apple. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I don't want to take this as a dig, but the Andromeda thing just doesn't that just read as CES like all over it that we're going to see that. And <laughs> it's just it's like in, in a bygone era, and I don't think it's this Microsoft. I think it, it, it's it's a Microsoft of of the past. Like mm-hmm. that would be the thing you'd see at CES, and it would just never come out right yeah. no in the bill gates era right when yeah. bill gates gave the keynote at ces every year yeah uh, you, he would have shown you this this is akin to the tablet uh exactly that they exactly. The, big, the big table right yeah, yeah. Uh, uh uh that being said holy smokes brad sam's calling his shot uh, uh that that would that would uh reverberate for years to come like moses with the tablets we're gonna be <laughs> referring to this uh for years and years yeah no brad sam's is a great guy uh i've had the pleasure of meeting him a couple times at ces as a matter of fact uh and he's he's not only a pleasant uh, fellow to, to chat with but he's a really good journalist and really good at cultivating sources it's it's a thing that i'm horrible at myself uh and so i admire people who do it as well as he does uh putting it all in the last chapter of your book brilliant first of all uh <laughs> one more thing promoting the book <laughs> go check out the book folks uh but also uh just just a a great a, a, a great rundown of of his his prowess at saying like okay here we go folks you know call me in a couple of years because he, he has these things going through 2020 and let's see how they match up obviously not every one of these things will come true because even if they're all true right now companies change their roadmaps and modify things and kill products oh, right sure, so sure. but he's saying as far as we can tell this is what they're thinking at this moment well you know justin you mentioned boxes full of cables that no longer work or uh, have have any use you know what i have a lot of USB-C <laughs> cords. Oh, really? So the Surface Pro rumor is actually something I might be interested <laughs> yeah, in. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. We, we, need, we, need to, we need to figure out a cord-for-cord cord trade, Lane, because uh, uh, I, I've had my Switch die on me plenty of times with, with nary a USB-C Take cord. Take a cord, in. give a cord. Yeah. Live in the now, man. Yeah, no Live kidding. Live in the now. <laughs> hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. So uh, a couple things going on regarding Amazon in the news today. Germany's federal cartel office has begun an investigation of whether Amazon is abusing its market position in relation with third-party sellers. It's looking into how it ends its relationships with third-party sellers, the timing of payments to its third-party sellers, the shipping conditions when Amazon handles the shipping for them. Uh, This isn't the first investigation into Amazon in Europe. The European Commission is also looking into Amazon's dual role as a retailer and a marketplace. Uh, If you're not aware, Amazon sells things directly. As, as Amazon, they buy things wholesale and then they sell them to you. But they also operate something called Amazon Marketplace, which allows others to sell things through the Amazon system. They've been doing that since 2002. So the European Commission is looking to see if Amazon's house brands 
are hurting the retailers on the marketplace platform. In other words, is Amazon looking at all the stuff the marketplace people are doing and going, hey, that's a cool product. Maybe we should come up with our own house brand version of that and put it into competition. Recode has a really interesting article about how retailers are starting to get tired of this. They use a company called PopSockets as an example of the problem. Uh, PopSockets got tired of Amazon. uh, A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Demanding lower prices or demanding the pop sockets spend more money on marketing in order to stay as a wholesaler to Amazon through retail. So PopSockets decided to stop selling to Amazon and instead sell to a company called iServe, which sold things on Amazon. iServe is one of those third parties. Well, Amazon notified uh, PopSockets that iServe would not be allowed to sell PopSocket material as a matter of policy, although unaffiliated merchants, in other words, merchants that got a hold of PopSockets products without any kind of relationship with PopSockets, would be. That would mean that PopSockets couldn't sell their material with the manufacturer's warranty and with their own QA process. You would only be able to get their products from third-party sellers who couldn't give you that stuff. This is all in advance of something called One Vendor, where Amazon is going to try to bring all those independent sellers and the big brands into the same back end. And some brands are being notified that they're only going to be allowed to sell to Amazon. In other words, they won't be allowed to sell on Amazon Marketplace, where they would control the sale price, run their own promotions, and more importantly, get to keep all that data. Remember, Amazon is becoming a bigger and bigger advertising revenue generator. They want that data. It's not a new policy, actually, but Amazon hasn't enforced it always in the past. So now they're starting to crack down. They're also adding to the policy that a retailer can't sell through their agents, licensees, or other representatives. In other words, they they can't say, okay, we're not selling to Amazon. We're just going to sell to these other people, but we're not selling on Amazon. So it essentially, essentially what happened to PopSockets? You either sell to us or you can't sell to anybody that sells on Amazon. They have to find it some other way. 
Amazon often uses this data, by the way, to create those house brands we were talking about earlier. So a lot of people are attributing this to the fact that Senior Vice President Doug Harrington, who has been running the retail side of Amazon for 14 years, now is over the Amazon marketplace side of things as well and is applying some of that retail mentality Amazon just says, we're trying to make it easy for people. It's confusing sometimes when they think they're buying from Amazon and they're not. We just want to clear up that confusion, have fewer differences in price among the same thing. It's all about the user, Justin. The the thing is, though, is that, well, I'm sure there are exceptions, but as a frequent Amazon customer, I don't care. I just want the thing. So Amazon saying, you know what, we just want Sarah to be less confused about third-party sellers versus Amazon products themselves kind of BS. Yes and no. Uh, uh, There, uh, there are a couple ways that you can deal with Amazon. If you are a small uh, uh, retailer, like let's say a a mom and pop game uh, company that has games like the contender and action news available, (laughs) you would uh, uh, either sell directly through listing on Amazon and then you ship the product yourself. That's one way to do it. The other way to do it, if you're a little bit bigger, is that you send products to Amazon's warehouse. That allows you to control uh, – uh, you are still getting paid from that directly, but now Amazon can offer prime shipping. Or if you are a big volume player, like the ones that we are talking about here, Amazon is actually buying at wholesale a large volume of that, moving that into their warehouses. Then whatever they do with that is up to – them and and their business from there. Now, what they want to do is flatten that out a little bit. They want to make it easier for somebody to walk in and just get the most bang out of the Amazon buck. What they don't like is when you search for an Amazon product and you've got all these listings that all have the exact same picture and are offering different prices, but maybe there's hidden shipping on it and some offer prime and some don't. And many times those can come from the same source right it's just different people they're they're selling to different places and it is hitting amazon in in one way so i can i can uh, uh understand and sympathize with amazon's position saying hey look it's very hard to make amazon a shoppable website considering how many products we have on here how many people we deal with to do it it takes management however what they are, their, their, their complications are twofold. Number one, like Tom said, they are also in a position like grocery stores, like Walmart, like Target, like Whole Foods. They have their own products that compete with other name brand products. And they use the sales data of what is flying off the shelves to determine who is going or what kinds of those products they are going to put on the shelves right next to the other people that they are also taking money from. The other problem is they're the everything store and they are always going to be under increasing governmental scrutiny, specifically in Europe because it's Europe, uh, uh, but also in America where now anti-competitive behavior is going to be magnified or the idea of anti-competitive behavior is going to be magnified because they are such a big player. And as brick and mortar retail dies, and now we're in a situation where like, the idea of opening up a Walmart, me and my wife are joking around. If they opened a Walmart in downtown Oakland, would people be like, oh, cool, jobs for people. Like, what a quaint, cool thing that's coming to our town in a way that would <laughs> not be the case in the aughts, would not be the case in the 90s when big box stores were the were the enemy. Uh, they are Amazon's going to be the bad guy as these other forms of buying stuff start to fall by the wayside. 
Yeah. And when you start to think about it, uh, you bringing up Walmart made me think about the fact that Walmart used to be Amazon, right? Like you're saying, the attitudes have changed. Uh, I dug up a 2003 Motley Fool article uh, that pointed out that at the time, it was 15 years ago, Walmart accounted for 28% of Dial's sales, 24% of Del Monte Foods sales, and 23% of Clorox's sales. And Motley Fool said, if Walmart has too much power over these companies now, what will happen when Walmart's share hits 50% at the end of this decade, right? And Walmart didn't even have the complicating factor of allowing third parties, right? You didn't have a flea market happening inside Walmart like you essentially have happening inside Amazon. What happened to Walmart was Amazon came along and they no longer have that dominant market share because of that. So the, the, the curious question that we will leave as an exercise for the audience uh, who is Amazon's Amazon? Well, and also uh, the, the the question then became, look, Walmart, as many, many, many of these kinds of retailers, but Walmart was kind of the most famous for being uh, non-negotiable on, hey, this is what you're selling it for. And this is where we're going to put it. We're and Walmart. Have, yeah. And either we're going to give you this gigantic order that you can build your entire business on at a fraction of the price that you normally sell it, or you can kick rocks. Uh, th- th- they were a bully like that. And Amazon is not quite there yet, but you might think that the more they edge toward it, the louder it's going to be as we are all more uh, uh, plugged in to the, the ups and downs of Amazon than we necessarily were with Walmart, where one might have not been in your town. Yeah, maybe Walmart ends up becoming Amazon's Amazon. Uh, also, I've, just side note, in 2009, I found an LA Times story talking about Walmart and Netflix being sued for conspiring to create a monopoly on online video rentals of, what? of DVDs. <laughs> Uh, because huh. Walmart uh, stopped renting DVDs over the internet and started referring customers to Netflix. Yeah, it's just there. There is there is a great a great Hall of Fame of the monopolies <laughs> that everybody thought would kill us that didn't. Yeah, because uh, there are some really funny ones in our past. Remember Blockbuster? Wow. <laughs> Hey, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. If you hang out on Facebook a lot, well, maybe hang out on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Oh, is that the mailbag? Oh, it is, Tom. I'm glad you asked. Uh, we actually got a real real nice email from Dwayne in Germany. Says he loved our discussion with Amos yesterday about technology in the military and how it's evolved over the years. Dwayne says, with my 21 years serving uh, in the U.S. Air Force, it brought back memories of how things were and how they are now. I'm about to retire in February, but last year I completed a 2.5-year stint as a planner building uh, bear bases in Europe and Africa. And it's so funny that once the base is up, the first thing that's completed about is Wi-Fi. Last year, we had a deployed base leadership choose Wi-Fi over better beds and better quality of life items. That shows what deployed personnel priorities are like. Dwayne also weighed in on uh, our Google Fi uh, discussion from yesterday as well, formerly uh, Project Fi. Dwayne says, I've lived overseas since 2001 in Japan for eight years, South Korea for one year, now Germany for eight years. And wow, Google Fi is crazy expensive. I was looking at what a five gigabyte plan would cost me. It's 70 bucks compared to around 40 yen in Japan. I currently pay 29 euro for 15 gigabytes in Germany. I was considering jumping to Google Fi when I'm in the US as a secondary number here in Europe, but that's not really financially efficient. I have O2, that's uh, his, his provider here, and I was hoping to ditch my second number uh, and I only pay seven euro for one gigabyte of data. 
My issue is that O2 doesn't have any deals with any of the telcos in the U.S., so it doesn't work for him. Might have to just switch a uh, second line to T-Mobile to fix my issue. Yeah, maybe if you're coming from Europe to the U.S., uh, Google find not such a Doesn't work deal. so well. It is a it is a decent deal in the U.S. comparatively speaking, especially because uh, T-Mobile T-Mobile gives you free roaming, but at a reduced speed where Fi doesn't. Well, thank you, Dwayne, uh, for for the feedback. It's always nice to know how things are working for people all over the world. And also, thanks to Justin Robert Young for being with us. Uh, besides uh, being a bird whisperer, what's been going on? Oh, well, thank you, Sarah. Uh, uh, of course, everybody can sign up for my free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Five stories a day, five days a week. However, you can also uh, go ahead for your holiday shopping. If you happen to be a fan of Night Attack or Jury or uh, uh, the uh, Politics, Politics, Politics podcast, the one stop for merch for your uh, uh, yourself or a friend or a loved one is stickers or D-I-A-F dot com uh that's where you can get the diamond club or sorry the the night attack pin set 10 pin or sorry uh, button set where for it's 10 buttons for for 10 bucks you have politics 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 t-shirt and our new politics 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 shirt the less horse uh, sorry less bs more horse s uh t-shirt which has a great design done by one of our uh, our awesome diamond clubbers penny so go ahead and check it out that is stickers or d-i-a-f Dot com. Folks, we are but five people away of having one more patron than last month. Uh, and with two days left in the month, I know we can do this. Uh, thanks to everybody who has signed up in the past couple of days. If you didn't realize, if you become a patron or stay a patron between now and December 5th, and the, the clock is ticking on that. We're just seven days away. Uh, you will get a holiday postcard with a special message from the DTNS team. Uh, remember, you do have to give us your mailing address in Patreon to get that card. Uh, you can add that in your settings. Or if you're signing up new, just add it right when you sign up new. If you're not comfortable giving that, we understand. That's fine. Uh, but if you do want to get the card, you will have to give us the address. Uh, so anyway, get a free holiday card, sign up, and be one of the people that pushed us over the edge and got to our goal of at least one patron more than last month at patreon.com slash DTNS. We also love your feedback. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is where you can send those emails. We're also live Monday through Friday. If you can join us live, please do so. 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Patrick Norton telling us about audio gear you might want to get. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, 
and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.